0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hoagie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex. For the first time in a long time on this pod, it's been a chaotic few months for me. So, or yeah, pretty much a few months for me, but happy to be back in the saddle. Mike McDaniel's got eight jobs and a pregnant wife, so he will not be joining us today. But Ricky Blues here. Ricky, how are you?
1: Uh, I'm kind of hot, man. That's like 90 here at Virginia Beach, and it's a little a little toasty outside but in all seriousness I'm glad you're back. I know you're getting settled in to the new digs uh, here soon in Charlotte and I'm excited for you and then sure enough we get we get you know one of the musketeers back and then Mike has to go be an adult uh, which is a shame but you know duty calls I guess
0: fair enough fair enough well the excuse of the thing is as Virginia Tech fans Probably no. The excuses kind of fly in the month of May and April when there's really nothing timely going on, where all the news that you're getting pretty much can be pushed off to a podcast at a later date. But, Mike, we're not doing this stuff in uh, September, October. <laughs> I trust that he won't do it because that's when Mike has his sense of urgency, as we all do. Well, but think
1: hey. about this he's going to be going through like the meat of the football season. When his child is just a couple months old, because I guess I guess his wife is due this month, so like Crazy. he's going to be he's going to be full on dad mode when we hear Enter Sandman for the first time.
0: Yeah, i uh, I have confidence in. I have moderate confidence in Mike's ability to make the podcast. My confidence level in Mike's ability to make it to the Hokie House pregame shows live and in person this fall Zero. is very low.
1: <laughs> you have a better chance of me making those shows than Mike making those hey, shows. Come on I, down. I will be in Blacksburg, hopefully, for most of the games this year. Uh, also going to try and be in Norfolk, uh, which is half an hour away, uh, for Virginia Tech's uh, opener against ODU yeah you gotta go to that one man.
0: kinda kind of hard well, see, to pull excuses out of the hat for that
1: one. Well, see, here's the deal. so they're basically making you buy season tickets if you want tickets to the game. Uh, um, I ain't got it, so uh I am going to put in for a credential, and uh we'll uh, we'll see what happens. but I have a feeling I'll be able to swing that.
0: yeah, you should be uh you should be fine if nothing else I mean tickets on the second hand market won't be that bad. Maybe they will. Who knows? It's
1: uh so so tech is currently like I think it's an eight and a half favorite. If I had to like if you had to bet right now, if you had to if you had to bet a hundred dollars, what are you betting on? Tech eight and a half.
0: Old Dominion. I'd like to think tech. But
1: so would I, but yeah, like game one on the road against someone that is very familiar with Brent Pry,
0: Very and, familiar. I mean,
1: Ricky Ronnie. Eight and a half is kind of scary. Every day
0: in practice for years.
1: Yeah. Eight and a half is kind of scary for me, but I, I don't know. Uh, fortunately, I'm not a betting man, so I won't be losing money regardless.
0: Yeah, moving to North Carolina and getting out of legal betting state might be uh, one of the better things that ever happens to me, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah, worry,
1: I w- that'll change eventually.
0: My I looked at my 2021 betting like tax return or whatever. Oh, like, you know, if you make a certain <laughs> amount of money, you do have to pay taxes on it. But it was like lots of money, like an obscene amount of money, exchanged hands, final nets. I won seventy five dollars. So hey. every every single moment of my betting in 2021, every game, every celebration, every heartbreak all amounted to $75. Hey. Like
1: listen. I could have I could
0: have just foregoed all that and done DoorDash for a night. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like. All I'm saying is is that you being plus practically makes you a betting professional. For real? So Anytime someone brings up sports, you can tell them, "Hey, I am a I am plus on my sports bets."
0: Yeah, another way to look at it is if I just extrapolated that money outward, like had taken out some kind of giant loan and you know betting the millions, I would have made like more than the average salary. <laughs>
1: but <laughs> yeah, but then the taxes come in.
0: But then the taxes do come in. Okay, regardless sorry for boring you people <laughs> but uh there is news in virginia tech world and i think the big news i think the most groundbreaking news comes on the hardwood something that i wouldn't have expected justin mutts returning john rostein broke the news i think to the disappointment of justin mutts who wanted to break it himself but nonetheless rostein says he got it from Mutz's agent so i guess that's who to blame but regardless for i guess the sixth or seventh year in college. Justin Mutz is back, and suddenly a new life breathed into the Hokies program. Now, Ricky, I'll give you my instant analysis, and I'll see if you agree. Before, I kind of looked at Virginia Tech going into next year. I was like, okay, this could be a step back towards kind of being in the middle of the ACC NCAA tournament would be a great success. Nit would be nit would probably be the what you're what you're expecting, I suppose. But with Muts back, suddenly my expectations are raised, and it's not as developmental. You have more experience on the team, and maybe that NCAA tournament streak can be expected to continue. What do you think?
1: I think it was possible for the the NCAA tournament birth to happen without Mutz coming back. I'm not sure if it was likely but it's certainly possible. When you add him back into the rotation, I think it makes a dramatic difference uh, given how we talked about this uh, several weeks ago actually on the pod about how an overwhelming majority of Virginia Tech's minutes in the rotation for next season would be coming from players who were new to the program whether they be freshmen or transfers. And that inherently is going to bring all sorts of uncertainty and growing pains, especially on the offensive end, uh, when so much of it amounts to rhythm uh, and experience playing with those guys. Uh, And now, granted, Mike Young has proven that he can be uh, quite the offensive mastermind. Um, But with that said it would have been reasonable to expect there to be a lot of growing pains uh, with a lineup that was missing so many players from last year and had so many guys that did not have experience playing with each other. But now you had Justin Mutz in the mix, who is a good passer, uh, especially around the rim. He is uh, effectively going to be team captain. I mean, I'm not sure anybody on this roster is better suited to be the leader of this team uh, than than Justin Mutz, perhaps Hunter Couture. But I think Justin Mutz is – ability to lead outwardly uh, is exceptional. And uh, nobody, nobody in that locker room is ever going to question Justin's determination and his willingness to do what it takes to win. Uh, in, in, in his short time in Blacksburg, he has um, been a part of one of the best eras in tech basketball history uh if we're if we're being honest, you go back and look at the you know the actual records, this is this is some of the most success Virginia Tech has ever had in the sport. Uh and he's he's been a part of that. I think and, I, I
0: think your former colleague Chris Coleman put it best when he called it the golden age of Virginia Tech basketball. Because it really is. We've yeah, never uh, this good it, consistently.
1: Yeah, it, it, effectively it is yeah. I mean sure you don't have a guy like um, like Bimbo Coles or, you know, someone like that, but uh, or, or Del Curry, you don't have a kind of a, a household name. But in terms of team success, it hasn't been much better than this. And the other thing, too, is that, like, Justin's busted his ass off the court. The guy's got three degrees. I mean wh- – Wasn't he,
0: like, the ACC academic yeah. player of the year across all sports? Yeah, like, men's what, side? what
1: more – what more could you ask from a student athlete? So, um, I think it's a huge get for Mike Young, given that he was going to have uh, now. Now, the, the 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 problem, quote unquote, um, what because obviously I would much rather have Muts here and, and have to deal with this problem is that you now have kind of a loaded front court, and you don't have a ton of minutes available with all of those guys that they have brought in. Um, that's probably gonna be okay because you can usually kind of figure that out and you know someone's just gonna have to bite the bullet and and sacrifice some playing time but i would much rather have justin Mutz on this roster than not have justin Mutz on this roster so i think it's great uh virginia tech is going to be better for it and i think it's I think it's reasonable to expect Virginia tech to be a bubble team next year. I, I I think if they're not in contention for the NCAA tournament, it would be a failure of a season um, that this team on paper has enough talent to get back to the tournament.
0: True, true, true. I mean, you look at Justin Mutz, right. And you know, the, the leadership piece is important, but the talent it, it, I think he almost fits a mold that really resonates with Virginia tech fans. Almost a guy who might not necessarily be the best player on the team, but he's a cultural mainstay and he brings a ton of energy. And you can think back on the basketball side to D Ron Washington, on the football side, Danny Zach Cole. On the yeah, Zach Lade yeah, on the basketball side. Yeah, Zach Lade on the basketball side and the football side, like a a Danny Cole or an Andrew Bautuapola. Sam Rogers. Sam Rogers, exactly. Like he's totally, he totally fits that mold. But I mean, he is a real talent, and he he is someone that I mean, as you saw, and obviously Aluma a is gone, and I, I think that I mean, I was surprised that Mutz came back because he probably could have gone. To Europe and made you know somewhat of a pretty penny playing hoops over there, but in the age of NIL, I suppose that's always a possibility. They- and also,
1: too, and I think, I think Justin made a a, a value judgment that I also would have made. Um, how, how much is that money worth, as opposed to? being in a situation where you are comfortable and you are happy and you know you're going to have a serious role, you know that you're going to have playing time, you know that you're going to be playing on national television once a week minimum. Like, you know that you're going to be playing on one of the biggest stages in in the sport of basketball. Um, it's not like you're, you know, he would have come. He he's not coming back to be the sixth man, right? He's coming back to start, and he's coming back to start and play big minutes. Uh, he 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 loves his relationship with his head coach. He enjoys his teammates. He's uh, he's a fan favorite from now until the end of time. Um, I I I, I, un, I can see why someone would value that more than hey, I can go make you know a lot of money playing in Spain or in Germany or wherever.
0: Yeah, no, I, and I, I certainly agree. I mean, I, I also see the other side of the argument as to why you wouldn't want to do that as, as to why you, you could see yourself doing that. But as, as Justin Mutz, you know, kind of put out there, he's coming back because he wants to, not because he has to. And, you know, you, I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> as a as a fan of the program, it, it's great to see because, you know, alongside Couture, you're going to have those two cultural mainstays, and this will be a year of effectively passing the torch to the next generation of guys. And, and there won't be some, you know, weird middling gap where, you know, the, the, those big shoes... Are there to be filled. And it'll be interesting to see how guys like John Camden and the other gentlemen that have transferred into the program, how that affects, you know, their allocation of minutes, because, you know, assuming that doesn't change anything with their transfer decision, this is gonna be pretty deep.
1: Especially in the front court. And I'm curious as to if if Mike Young will go a bit bigger next season and be willing to maybe play three bigs on the floor. Um, that would not be within, um, what we've seen from him in the past. That would kind of be out of the norm, but given the, 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 way that the roster is constructed, that may be the best way to get your best five on the floor on the most amount of time. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, tech is certainly longer, uh, this year in terms of height than they've been in the past. Uh, some of those guys, I think, have the ability to slide over and play the three, which is certainly uh, an intriguing piece because generally, you know, tech fans are used to our our threes uh, being like six five, six six, and when you have a guy who's six eight and can play small forward, that's kind of a a fun possibility. But it this is certainly a uh, a positive development for Mike Young, and it just goes to show that the the culture that Mike Young has built is is legitimate and it's not smoke and mirrors, it's not just PR. You know, he's he has effectively uh built a a lasting relationship with his with his players and uh that's that's worth a lot in its own right.
0: Drew that drew that. All right, moving on. Uh we haven't had the chance to talk about this yet, and this is, you know, I guess, relatively old news at this point. Well, but, it's not
1: official yet, so I wouldn't say uh, it's old news. Well, the the, right? the
0: rumor of it is old news, yeah. and and that's that the ACC is looking to change their scheduling from, or really the entire format of the conference at large, from a divisional system that we've seen for the better part of, pretty much the entire time Virginia Tech's been in the ACC, to a situation where and correct me if I'm wrong here, Ricky, you'd have three locked-in opponents that you play every year, which would then leave ten teams, and it would go five on, five off with those other ten. So just, you know, knee-jerk reaction. What what do you think of of the system that they're proposing here?
1: It's far better than what they have now. That's for damn sure. Um, I... I'm not entirely opposed to continuing to have some sort of divisional structure, but uh, I think this model is certainly a a better way to balance out the scheduling in the conference and um, make it feel like you're, there's, there's more uh, feeling of belonging inside the conference. I mean, just from a, a a general fans perspective it's hard to feel like virginia tech is in the same conference as uh louisville virginia tech rarely ever sees louisville it it feels like virginia tech is not in the same conference as florida state and they are but you wouldn't know because those teams never play each other other once every six years so i think this is uh a, a much better solution. I think it's really important that Virginia Tech not get screwed in who their yearly permanent opponents would be. Obviously, Virginia is going to be one of them. There's no way that they're not. Uh, but you look at some of the teams that Virginia Tech might otherwise uh, want to see every year, and um, those teams are going to be hard to uh, – hard to get on the schedule every year right so uh, a team like miami virginia tech i think would like to play miami every year uh considering the rivalry that those two went through in the early 2000s and how those are two of the bigger football brands in the conference Um, that's going to be a bit difficult when you have miami who's got obviously florida state that they would want to play clemson is closer georgia tech is closer Miami and Boston College have a past going back to what the eighties. Um, so there's, and, and and you can do this with any team, right? North Carolina obviously has got Duke, NC State, Wake Forest. I mean, how do you uh, how do you handle those North Carolina schools? Do they get to play each other every year? Uh, if so, which ones get to do it? Which ones don't? Um, you know, and then you have a school like Louisville who kind of feels like they don't have a, a, a general rivalry with very many teams. Um, Pittsburgh would seem kind of like a logical option. Uh, maybe Syracuse, uh, maybe maybe Boston College. Is Virginia Tech going to get thrown into that? I don't know how it's going to work, but uh, ultimately I think it's a, a, a great idea, and I, I hope that we get some sort of version of this because – even if Virginia Tech gets stuck playing someone like Boston College every year, which I really don't want, I think that it'll happen. That's
0: <laughs> you're it'll probably, happen. I guarantee it. You're probably They're, right. We're already that's, locked into Boston College. That's, that series,
1: it? that series needs to die a quick death. Uh, Unfortunately, but you know, even if even if we do get that, being able to play Florida State every other year, being able to play Clemson every other year, being able to play, year, able to play these teams every other year, I'll take it.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's my dream scenario for Virginia Tech, and then I'll explain why it's not going to happen. It would be the three lock-ins are Virginia. I think that anyone with a brain realizes that the ACC is not going to kill the Commonwealth Cup, and nor should they. We need that morale boost every year. Uh. I love Sorry. it. Sorry. It's, got a, <laughs> it's got a text message that's distracting me. Uh, I would like North Carolina.
1: Yeah. But so logically
0: speaking, they're going to take that entire Raleigh area triad, or I mean, four schools with Wake, NC State, Duke, and North Carolina. And those are probably going to be their, their locked-in games just for local interest. I mean, a lot of the reason that this is coming up is you have North Carolina scheduling Wake Forest in non-conference games because they only play each other once every seven years?
1: Yeah, I get that. Absolutely ridiculous that 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 those two have to had to set up that arrangement in order to play each other.
0: Yeah, I, I attended one of those games. It was a game where not a lot of defense was played. <laughs> it was like fifty-four, fifty-one final score, but nonetheless. So I I think North Carolina would be out, and I think that would be a shame because it is a great putting rivalry. Miami, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of. But I do see, when you have schools like Boston College, and the ACC clearly already has put some value on the rivalry between Virginia Tech and Boston College, I don't see them slamming that door. And even if they were to slam that door, I, I would find it more likely that they would pick a school like Pittsburgh, for Virginia Tech. Because, again, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Boston College have no natural rivalries. No. I would
1: be fine with playing Pittsburgh every year because I really have grown to hate and loathe that program. As have I? Um, but, yeah, I I agree that Miami would be – on my list i would have virginia miami and carolina but
0: yeah no well, it's the same list as me yeah uh, i think that most likely scenario in my opinion or
1: or i mean i'd be okay with playing florida state every year they're not going to have us play florida state if, if i know but if you want to <laughs> go back to the 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 2000 title game i mean the the facade that is the boston college rivalry basically stems from 2007, right? And that's it. That's it in its entirety, it feels like. Yeah. So, yeah, if, you, <laughs> so if you're going to create some facade of a rivalry based off one season, you might as well do it in, on a year where the two met in a, in a national title game.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just don't see it because, you oh, know, I say It's going to be locked into Clemson and Miami. And, I mean, I guess we could be the third team, but we're not going to be the third team. <laughs> there is uh I mean, overall, I, I, I'm fine with it because it, again, I have lived in Blacksburg, you know, between college and the post-college era, for eight football seasons, and I've yet to see Florida State come to town. That's a shame. That's a shame.
1: You know what's funny? So Andy Staples with the athletic put together a potential list of permanent opponents and poor, poor Dave Dorn, right? Because he's actually put together a pretty solid program there in Raleigh and NC state's actually pretty decent. And, uh, one of the issues that he has is that he has to play Clemson every year. Well, Andy Staples put in his potential permanent opponents for Clemson. First one, NC state. So, Dave dorm might get screwed anyway.
0: <laughs> well, I'm seeing preseason rankings come out right now where NC State's ranked, like, number 12, 13 in the country. So, you know, you talk about the current ACC scheduling model, right? And, you know, this is our year to play NC State. And, of course, it comes in a year where NC State is uh, – you know, they're going to be absolute dogs. But I guess, well, you know, it give it – take it away – Justin Fuente uh, was given the opportunity to play Syracuse, and what was his opportunity to save his job? And obviously, that went uh, how it went. Well, I'll tell you this right now: um,
1: I am not buying the Devin Leary hype, and I think he's pretty good, Ricky. And I, I have a feeling that we're going to see NC State struggle a little bit offensively, relative. To what people are expecting from that. Okay. That's just my two cents.
0: We'll, 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 we'll stick a pin in that. And when it comes closer to uh, football season, we can make you uh, make some bold proclamations. It is almost. I, I
1: will jump on that for a bold proclamation.
0: We, we, we are two months away from bold proclamation season. I, I couldn't be more excited. I already got people telling me Virginia Tech's going to win two games. I'm like, okay. Tell me that news. Yeah, some people are saying two, three. Some people are saying eight, nine. I'm like, come on, baby, six and six. It should be what we shoot for here.
1: Yeah, yeah, two, two. You're just being a dick. If, <laughs> I mean, we're playing and Duke. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you're if you're picking nine, then you, you probably just need to slow down the bourbon a little
0: bit. Lay off. Yeah, and, yeah. It's only Thursday. <laughs> but. I mean, I will say it's, it's a shame, though, because it would be the loss of Coastal Chaos. And Coastal Chaos is something I, I, I've come to know and love. And, of course, if the last eight years or six years or whatever it may be is the swan song of Coastal Chaos, it went out with an absolute bang,
1: right? Well, and, 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 you know, and that's another piece of this is that while, as a fan, I think it's a good thing for the ACC that this happens it is absolutely bad for virginia tech.
0: What are we gonna win? Right it, now what are we gonna win? What do you mean? Games. I mean like as bad as things have been, as up and down as things have been for virginia tech, winning the coastal and going to the ACC championship has always at least seemed to be an attainable goal.
1: Yeah. And, it's always it's it's been a possibility even if even if a, a slight one. But
0: even even in bad years, we've been in the coastal race until November.
1: Like Yeah, yeah. I mean But now, right, you you, you figure if if Dabo is able to get Clemson to wake up, um, which I'd kind of be surprised if he isn't able to do that, but let, let's let's assume Clemson goes back to being Clemson. Well, that's
0: one spot for what, fourteen. No, 13 teams. With the Florida State program that, you know, we can only assume isn't going to be down forever. With the Miami program that I'm assuming is going to maybe hit stride with Mario Cristobal and the influx of NIL money and the impact that that will have. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm serious, though. No, you're
1: absolutely right. Uh,
0: Of all the times over the course of the last 15, 20 years, the people have said the U is back. The circumstances that have changed over the course of the last, you know, 500 days in college football would lead one to believe that it puts Miami in a position to succeed that they were not otherwise in.
1: This feels like the, the closest to the U being back than any other time the media has tried to procl- proclaim that the U is back. Yes. Now I still have I still have my doubts, but this feels like we are as close as we've been in in um, the last ten years. Uh, so, but yeah, this this change is a net negative in terms of postseason possibilities. Um, but as a fan, I think it's much better, uh, and I, I I think that the ACC should should absolutely do it.
0: I mean, look. Like I said, eight years in Blacksburg, no Florida State in town. Under the current circumstances, you go to any ACC school for four years, you will see every ACC team come to your house at least once. I think that's the way it should be.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, well, moving on to the baseball side, Ricky, and I know this is near and dear to your heart because – you covered some baseball in your day in a period of time when the team was uh, not the number four overall seed in the nation. Things actually, have changed. Yeah.
1: Things have, have certainly changed. And uh, it is not like it was in 2014, 2015,
0: 2016, or 2017. Yeah. It's a, we're living in a different world for Virginia Tech baseball. And it's funny because we probably talked about it on this podcast – you know dating back to last year maybe even two i guess not two years ago because that season got canceled but three years ago and you know coach chef was a big hire for whip babcock and it was a heist taking in from you know a big 10 school in the university of maryland and coming here and the renovations that go down with the stadium and expectations for where this program could be would be high and i mean obviously 2020 was taken away in 2021, so much hope, and the team completely collapses at the end. And I feel like you had a fan base with Virginia Tech that was kind of, you know, holding back the optimism, at least for much of the season. I mean, the team starts off 0-4 in the ACC, and they're storming back, but everyone's waiting for that late-season collapse that never came. And now you have a team that, you know, chalk-wise, you know, you fill out your bracket chalk, and they're, they're going to Omaha.
1: Yeah, which is unprecedented, as far as I'm concerned, in in the modern era. Um, given how how big SEC, Big Ten baseball is, and um, given how Virginia Tech has just been a doormat for baseball for so many years, this is in. First of all, it, it it's been a great year and obviously I don't want it to end poorly. But uh, even if Virginia Tech struggles in the postseason, while that would be disappointing, it it would be uh, wrong of us to completely dismiss the regular season and what they've done already. Um, I know that they struggled in the ACC tournament and losing in the first round to Carolina. But uh, overall, this has been a tremendous season. And for them to be in this position where they're hosting a baseball regional in Blacksburg, It's exactly what Whit Babcock dreamed when they got English Field uh completely renovated. You know, English Field was in dire need of attention and renovation and investment. And the the park is certainly worthy of hosting a regional like this for a team as good as this, because this this was not possible in 2017. Virginia Tech did not have the resources. They did not have the leadership within the program to get the baseball team where it is now. And um, who would have thought that Virginia Tech's best chances to win a national championship ended up being softball, which lost in a super regional, uh, and baseball, which is hosting a regional and is the number four overall seed in the country.
0: Yeah. And – of course, as we saw on the softball side, you know, it doesn't always go as planned. I mean, I was down there in Charlotte last weekend for the ACC baseball tournament, right? And Tech was losing 4 nothing by the time I got to my seat after waiting in line to get a beer, <laughs> which, which is why you don't have single elimination baseball tournaments. My advice to the ACC, and I'll say this to anyone that will listen, put a cutoff. On who makes the ACC tournament? Hard yeah. cut. Two fourteen pools. Winners play in a three-game championship series. That is the fair way to do it. Because Virginia Tech, I mean, I don't know North Carolina. We caught them at the wrong time. You know that that was an eight seed in the ACC tournament. Who's now? I believe hosting a regional in the NCAA tournament. They won the conference championship, didn't they?
1: For the for the tournament,
0: they did. They went on. Yeah. Doing it.
1: So I mean, they. Tech got a bad draw, and like in baseball and softball, are just really, really different games in the sense that the the fluctuation in performance from day to day is is enough to where anybody can lose to anybody. I mean, yeah. the, the Durham Pirates, Bulls
0: could be, yeah, the Durham Bulls could be the New York Yankees. I the Pirates just
1: swept the Dodgers that in in LA and finished the season series against the Dodgers five and one. And it's the Pirates. Right? The Dodgers have
0: like 15 turtle losses. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And
1: their 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 payroll <laughs> is more money than I'll make in my entire lifetime by a
0: factor of multiple. Right? Like, I mean, the Dodgers payroll is the Pirates payroll over the course of like five years.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's
0: I could be under exaggerating,
1: but, but like yeah. I I was doing a little bit of prep work, um. Uh, when the ACC tournament rolled around for baseball, and let me read you some of these OPSs from from Virginia Tech baseball, and, and I'm gonna I'm only gonna use the guys who have played a significant amount of games. But uh, Tanner Schobel has a one one five nine OPS. Jack Hurley is eleven fifty. Carson DeMartini is ten seventy five. Cade Hunter is ten seventy two. Gavin Cross is ten twenty-six and Nick Bittison is nine eighty-four. And I'm already like six guys down the list. That's that's un that's that's insane. Like that's I know that the offensive numbers in college are higher, but good lord, that's that's insane to have that many guys be able to put up those kind of numbers.
0: Well, dude, I mean, and that's what makes this regional really interesting in my opinion, though, is because You know, let's just assume, and I I mean no offense to Columbia and and Wright State, but because anything can happen in baseball. But if this comes down to the top two seeds, you have, you know, a a, a true offensive juggernaut in Virginia Tech versus a Gonzaga team that I believe is, you know, number five in the country in, in, in team ERA. And in terms of starting pitchers, has three guys in the top 100 college prospects for this year's MLB draft. So it's going to be a battle of strength on strength if it comes down to that. And I'm sure that – yeah, and, and to what degree, I don't know. Because Gonzaga didn't even win the West Coast Conference. That that title belongs to the University of San Diego, who you know won that tournament in an upset. And, and to be fair, the West Coast Conference – in baseball is a stronger conference relatively speaking uh than they are in other sports like basketball included like this isn't like gonzaga and basketball where they're just beating up on everyone
1: hey, they just beat saint mary's and that those are their yeah those are their we, we quality win. wins <laughs> yeah
0: exactly but you have to assume that the acc being the premier baseball conference in america that virginia tech is more battle tested than Gonzaga. Not to take away from some of the quality opponents that Gonzaga may play, but
1: well, also I, too, Virginia Tech just got punched in the mouth, right? Like the Hokies just got absolutely waxed by a team that they they've seen regularly this year. Yeah, um, they've. If that's not a wake-up call, then you're not waking anybody up. So I I would imagine that Virginia Tech is going to be rearing to go for this because they've got to get that bad taste out of their
0: mouth. Indeed. Indeed. Well, we'll see how it goes, Ricky. Hopefully next week we can talk about a super regional preview and you know perhaps the possibility for the University of Florida to end some Virginia Tech (laughs) hopes and dreams, I guess, for what would be the third time over the course of two years. If you look back to the – 2021 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, and then of course what happened in softball last weekend. But you know, shout out to the softball team. It's tough, and there there was a bad omen in the air in Blacksburg that Sunday, starting with the air to get the game going, and then you know the players collided, and obviously, well, it wasn't their day.
1: relied heavily on Keeley Rochard, and she did not have her best stuff in the NCAA tournament and that's going to happen, you know, I mean, you're not going to have, your best players are going to go through struggles at times and it is what it is. They, They, Keely had a tremendous career, a tremendous season. She is one of the reasons why Virginia tech was as good as they were. Um, and you know, sometimes you have to be able to pick up your best players when they, when they stumble and the Hokies just struggled to do that. Um, in the postseason. So, uh, yeah, it's a shame. It stinks. Uh, but all in all, you know, anytime, anytime you make like a, a, a super regional, um, you have to feel pretty good about the entirety of your season. Obviously, even though you lost the last game of the year, which is, uh, as Billy Bean puts it, you know, you, you, you never want to keep losing the last game of the year. You want to win the last game of the year. Right. Well, that's, that's pretty hard to do, and for a program that was really, really struggling with injuries and recruiting uh, just a few years ago, Tech Softball has not just revived itself, but elevated the program's overall ceiling uh, by a, a large amount
0: you know Ricky Tech used to be a school that was pretty good at football and not very good at a lot of other things and uh, it's a complete opposite <laughs> the complete right opposite now this <laughs> is it's such a foreign
1: concept for for tech fans because you know back in the in the 90s and the 2000s and you know the the early 2010s before tech football fell off a cliff tech football was all we had you know like the tech softball was good for that little bit of time and, and they were competitive for a while, but, uh, tech, tech men's basketball was, was, uh, not a, not a competitive program in most years In a couple of years they were, they weren't making NCAA tournaments. Uh, tech women's basketball really started to fall off, uh, you know, in the, in the early 2010s and the late two thousands. Um, and football was all that tech fans had to hang their hat on and 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 the football program has obviously been struggling for several seasons now but the rise across the board in some of these major uh lesser known sports whether it be baseball softball uh women's basketball wrestling which is you know kind of carrying the torch almost Uh, in in a couple seasons track and field has continued to be uh, a a great program year in and year out you know I've said this before on the podcast and I'll and I'll keep saying it until it's not true anymore but Whip Babcock you know deserved plenty of criticism uh, for the way that the Justin Fuente era played out but if you look, it, it, you can't really divorce football from everything else, but if you just look at the other stuff, he's done a tremendous job, and it shows that he is certainly capable of running an athletic program effectively in a lot of ways. Now, does he have things he needs to improve on? Absolutely, but so far, uh, he is doing a tremendous job off the gridiron.
0: Kudos to it Babcock in that regard indeed. All right, Ricky. Uh, Before we end this thing, shout out to Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg, the pharmacy you want to go do. If you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you. Be a neighbor, not a number, my friends. And look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. Rate, review, subscribe, right?
1: Absolutely. Mike will be back soon. Uh, Baseball this weekend. Uh, first uh, game is tomorrow night uh, at 7 p.m. So be sure to be sure to catch that.
0: Indeed, if you if you're there, look for me. I got red hair. I don't know if a lot of you know what I look like. Maybe that's a good thing, based on some of my antics at these games. But uh, but yeah, no. I, if I'm, you're
1: getting wild at a baseball game,
0: I don't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Not it,
1: for a not for
0: a second not for a second i'll be in the parking lot at 501 sharp when i get off of work my friends <laughs> until then enjoy your weekend and as always go Hokies.